We worship you. We thank you. And Lord, as we've sung today, we're not who we think we are. We are who God says we are. And those are completely two different things. Who you say we are is glorious, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you've declared that we are. And now, Lord, as we come to your word, I pray that you would help us and instruct us and empower us to be the people that you have called each one of us to be in our day and in our generation. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move across this room, you would move in our hearts, Lord, so that we would be able to walk in everything that you've called each and every one of us to walk in. Lord, I thank you that there are, this is not reserved for a select few. This is not reserved. This calling that you've called us all into is not reserved for but a few. But Lord, I thank you that you call each and every single one of us where we are to bring great change and bring the abundance and blessing of your kingdom into our world, into our lives, so that, Lord, people might see and hear the wonderful news that Jesus Christ is alive, risen from the dead, and can bring great change and blessing in their lives. Now, before you sit down, why don't you, in expectation, give him praise for what he's about to say and do. Yeah, that's it. Come on. Go ahead and give him praise in this place. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. Go on, church. Give him praise. Come on, lift up a shout. Lift up a shout of praise in this place. Amen. Do you know what? I'm excited for the day when the praise doesn't stop. Right? When I've just got to get down off the platform and join you, where we just all continue praising God, where you don't ever take any notice again of a man or a woman on a microphone, but it just erupts in praise spontaneously to Him by His Spirit in you. I believe we're in those days. I believe those days are coming. And you know what? Sometimes we've just got to step out and do it and try it. Because as long as it's God glorifying, as long as it's Jesus lifting, the Spirit of God will, will uh, rest on it and bless it. So if you come here and you, your heart is full of praise to Him, and even while I'm speaking, if you just want to jump up and get on your chair and give Jesus praise, you're not going to get kicked out of the room for doing that. We're going to join you. Come on, church, give Him praise and honor. What you've done. <laughs> I tell you, do you know what? When we start off like that, you see, the Holy Spirit at any point can just land on it and suddenly it goes somewhere where we never intended it to go. Really, the Holy Spirit can just take hold of a moment like that when God's people are full of praise and expectation 
and want to give him honor and thanks. The Holy Ghost can just take that and, and he can take it somewhere where we could never even conceive it to be taken. And that has happened many times down throughout history. People come into a situation like this, just, you know, as, as they do, and then suddenly the Holy Spirit ignites that praise, ignites that expectation, and wonderful things happen. And we always want to live with that expectation, don't we? We really do. You can be seated for a few moments until you're ready to get up, until you're ready to get up again and just start giving Him praise. Anytime the Holy Spirit lands on you and fills you and you just want to give, get up and give Him a shout of praise, why not go ahead and do it? Your neighbor might join you and the person behind you might jump up in praise. You know, let's, you know, listen, we were never, we were never born to be reserved. Nothing wrong with being reserved and respectful. Nothing wrong with that. But you know what I'm talking about. Everybody that met Jesus went leaping, dancing, and praising God. Every single one that received a touch of His Spirit, I tell you, they became oblivious to the onlooking audience. Just imagine, you know, coming into contact with Him with that realization that you're in the presence of God. You're, you're, you're face to face with your Creator and Lord. That revelation sinking down, they just began to explode in praise. And when the critics came and they said, you need to sort these people out, Jesus, because they're giving you praise and they're exclaiming you to be the Son of God. Do you know what Jesus said? Listen, if they didn't do it, the rocks would break apart and do it. The rocks and creation itself would begin to shout and give me praise. So listen, nothing wrong with being reserved and respectable. But listen, when the presence of God comes, everything changes. Everything changes and it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful, liberating thing to lose all of those restrictions and all of those hindrances that sometimes can really lay on our life and cause that praise within us and that gratitude that wants to burst out of us to be quenched. Let's be open. Let's be expectant. And I believe for great days and great times in the Holy Ghost spontaneous breakouts of praise, spontaneous breakouts of, of rejoicing amongst the people of God as the Spirit of God makes Jesus real and reveals those beautiful aspects about His character and who He is in the days ahead. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning I'm excited about the scriptures that we're going to be referring to and reading because they talk about us entering into the great works that God has for each and every one of us. God has a great work for us to get collectively. God has a great work for His church to outwork and administer in this city of Newport and beyond it. God has a great work for His church universally across the world. And his interests and his investments and all of his attention is in what he prizes, his 
church. Jesus said, I will build my church. His focus is on his church. His investment and all of the resources of heaven and the Holy Ghost power is reserved for the church that he's building. He's not building anything else. His interests are never going to attend to anything outside of his church. Jesus is passionately in love with his church. And that means that he's passionately in love with you and I. And he wants to empower us. He wants to enable us to do the good works that he's called us into. And that's exciting. That's wonderful because every single day we can wake up with this expectation. Lord, what work is there for me to do today? What good work is there? that's been prepared, pre-planned beforehand by you for me. As a church collectively, we can live with that excitement and that expectation. Lord, what is it? We've got many works that we're undertaking now that we, that, that we consistently attend to and have done for many years. We're not going to let go of those works, but there's added works that God's going to bring, good works that that many, many thousands of people are going to be blessed by. You and I are involved in them. Our lives are going to be fruitful. We looked at last week how Jesus talked about two trees. He said one tree produced good fruit and it was a good tree. And another tree was bad. It was a bad tree because it, it produced no fruit. Oh, I'm so thankful that the church is a fruitful tree. I'm so thankful that the church produces wonderful fruit, not for the church to consume, but for the world about us to be enriched by, the world about us to feed on and be blessed by. The church is a fruitful place and Jesus, the builder of it, makes it fruitful, makes it a blessed place. I'm so thankful when we look around at each other's lives we can, we can see the hand of God. We can see the fruitful work that he's undertaking, that he's preparing us for. That's exciting. That's an expectation that we can live with and a reality that we can live in. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And last week we looked at Ephesians where Paul talked about this amazing work of God in our lives. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, Paul talked about the fact that we are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. What an amazing picture. It's God that works in us. And you know, we're never going to go back to where we were. We're never going to go back to what we was. Why? Because we are the workmanship of God. In Christ Jesus, he's working within you, even when you don't know. And every life situation sometimes is used to craft and shape and mold us into that wonderful plan that he has for us. We're never going to go back to what we was or where we were because our lives are his workmanship. Other translation says that we are God's, listen, imagine this for your life. You're God's masterpiece. Your life is a masterpiece. Your life is not some drab picture. Your life is the very masterpiece of God. And sometimes we need to get used to that kind of thinking. 
We need to embrace that kind of revelation in a new way. Your life is not just a random series of pictures of circumstance hitting you from the left and the right. And, you know, going from hard time to worse time to being completely abandoned. No, your life is the masterpiece of God. It's the handiwork of God. It's the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. You say, well, Dave, look at this situation in my life that seems so hopeless. It seems so ugly. It seems to be holding me back. And it seems like today isn't a day where God's at work in my life. Let me tell you, let me tell you, we're confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We serve a God and our comfort is this, even in those dark times, even in those those times where we feel completely destitute and alone and abandoned, our comfort is this, Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. He's going to work it out. He's going to use the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he's going to take it, and he's going to use it to his advantage. And when he uses it for his advantage, I'm telling you something now, your life becomes a beautiful picture of God's grace, God's mercy, and God's care. It really does. That's it. Woo! It's wonderful. He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't abandon us. No, people leave us alone and people leave us on the ash heap. But God, he lifts up the poor. He gives them wings to fly. He's the one that looks after the widow and the orphan. When everybody's abandoned them, he's the one that comes on in and lifts them up and gives them new hope and a brand new future and a family that's all around them. That's the God that we serve, you see. And he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Our lives are not just solely down to what we think about them. No, there's a whole revelation that's far beyond what we can think that God is unpacking day after day as he works out this salvation within us. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, as you, you'll see, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, he talks about this wonderful picture He says, you're the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. But not only are you the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, you've been created for good works. And these good works have been prepared beforehand for you to walk in. You're going to walk in these good works, child of God. You're going to walk in them knowing that the favor of God is all over your life. And you're going to see them and you're going, to, you're going to be excited by them. They're going to thrill you. They're just going to jump out on you and they're going to surprise you and you're going to engage with them. And you're going to understand that God has prepared these good works for you to walk in beforehand. They're lined up. They're queuing up to meet you. They really are. This is what the Word of God says. This is the thrill and the excitement of New Testament living. 
It's not just words, it's deeds. It's outworking that will of God in your life and knowing what you created for and designed for. Paul understood this. He understood that his, his life was created to engage and discover and work out these good works that had been prepared beforehand for him to walk in. But Paul didn't want anybody just to think that it was about him and his ministry overseas and in the world in which he lived. No, he wanted to charge the church with that same expectation. He wanted to excite the church, the people of God, with, with that same zeal that he had. They'd been prepared for you too, he's, he would say, for you to walk in, for you to fulfill. Now, very often, as we go out into everyday life, these opportunities, these good works that have been prepared beforehand, and I believe they're there every day. They're there, but very often they, they exist in a very small, insignificant, almost menial opportunity. And that's why sometimes we miss them. But as God gives us eyes to see, as we don't overlook the small things or despise the day of small things, but we seize it and take hold of it, we'll begin to discover those great works that God has for us. Do you know, Jesus Cares, we, we work with a, um, an organization called His Church. And many of you will know about this organization because as a church family, we support it financially every single year for, with a gift from our Heart for the House service. And we, we support their work. What a joy it is to partner with His Church. You know, if you go to His Church today, you'll see that they have a huge aeroplane hangar. It's a Second World War RAF aeroplane hangar. I think the doors on the thing are bomb-proof. There's something like, you know, 30-ton, 40-ton doors. I mean, the place is absolutely huge, and it's stacked full of food that they redistribute on behalf of manufacturers. God has given them links and, and a way into food distribution that you wouldn't believe it. I mean, it's just at a whole different level. The abundance of God working amongst that team of people. And they distribute things all over the world. All over the world. And, uh, you know, they've got food and clothing. Many, many different provisions that they use. And, you know, there's only, I think there's about 15 of them that do this incredible work that God's called them to do. And if you were to go around that ministry like we've done on numerous occasions, you'd think, wow, isn't this incredible? This is significant. This is touching nations. I mean, presidents and politicians have visited that, that, that place, that ministry. I mean, it's incredible what they've done in the time that they've been doing what they're doing. But you know, it didn't start like that. It started very small. One day when they were setting out, they had a team meeting, just a handful of them. And Trevor, 
the leader of his church, they didn't have anything. And he spoke to the team about what God wanted to do, the good works that God had outlaid for them in the future. And he talked to the team and he said, listen, what do we have in our hand? What has God given us? And a lady stepped forward with an eight-pound Morrison voucher. It wasn't even 10-pound. It was an eight-pound Morrison voucher. And she said, well, Morrison's sent us this, but what good is this? What good is this in relation to the great plan that God's shown us? And she was going to discard it. Quickly, Trevor just brought correction and adjustment. And he said, whatever you do, don't discard that food voucher. We're going to use what God has given us, even though it's small, even though it's insignificant. And we're going to take it and we're going to bless somebody with some food because that's what God has given us. That's the opportunity. That's the good work. It's not menial. It's not insignificant. It's at the end of our obedience, there's going to be somebody else's blessing and we're going to take that. We're going to use it. We're going to bless somebody. Do you know they took that eight-pound Morrison's voucher, they cashed it in for some food, and they found a family, and they blessed that family with that little hamper of eight pounds, and it was a great blessing. Well, a few months on, a few months on, they had, I think, 25 shipping containers full of food. And God just did a miracle and it just seemingly came out of nowhere. But now they'd used the small gift that God had given them faithfully. And now God was entrusting them with much. Suddenly it explodes beyond the 25 shipping containers. And, and they're on a, on a course of working for God and they're seeing things open and opportunities emerge and doors open that had been closed. And before they knew it, they were in an airplane hangar and they've got all of this food. And I phoned Richard just a few weeks ago and he said, listen, we have not got room in the hangar anymore. And we're believing God for the entire estate. They're praying for the entire industrial estate. And please, if you want to pray, Pray that God would do a miracle. Pray that all opposition would be removed in, in, that, in that industrial area because there is opposition. But they need the entire estate to bring in the provision and the resources that God has blessed them with. I mean, just this year we've had three Arctic lorry loads of food from His church. Three Arctic lorry loads. What a joy! What an abundance. What I'm saying, I say all of that to say this. Don't despise that little opportunity. That moment that's given to you to take a hold of. It may seem insignificant. It may seem small. But I'm telling you, as you take it, as you cherish it, as you see it as something prepared beforehand for you to walk in and you honor God with it faithfully with your life, I'm telling you, it's incredible what can happen. I'm not saying to you that there'll be an aircraft hangar of food at the end of every act of obedience. You could just cheer somebody's heart up. That's as significant to God 
You could, you, your, your words could stop somebody making a decision to end their life. Who knows? That's significant. Your obedience, your, your act of, of obedience in, in taking hold of that moment that seems insignificant to others, but you recognize it as a work given by God for you to do. It could mean the blessing of children and the blessing of a family. And it could divert trouble and pain. Who knows? Who knows? But recognize the moments. Recognize those small opportunities and don't despise them. See them as given by God to you, prepared beforehand for you. God's blessing. God's blessing very often starts in insignificant things. This is how God chooses to do things. It is. Remember when Jesus was out in the field, he preached for three days to over 5,000 people. And then he wanted to feed them. The disciples wanted to go home. They'd been in the work for too long and they could see that people were getting tired. They were getting tired. They wanted to, 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 to just go home and rest up. And Jesus said, listen, everybody's hungry. We need to feed them before they go home. Otherwise, they're going to faint on the way. I said, Jesus, a whole year's wages couldn't handle this. And they saw the impossibility, as we do, as we do. They saw all the reasons why they shouldn't seize the moment. And Jesus turned and he says, what do you have? And somebody handed, one of the disciples were, was handed a little boy's lunch. But they cursed that. What good is this amongst so many? And Jesus said, bring it here. Bring it here. They gave it to him. He blessed it, he broke it, he distributed it. And I'm telling you, the miracle of God fed every man, woman, and child. And there were 12 baskets left over. What is that? What is that? That's a good work prepared beforehand for those disciples to walk in. But they recoiled, they backed off. This is too big. This requires... A power and an ability beyond what we've ever known. Jesus steps in. He steps in to their deficiency. He steps into their doubt and their criticism and their rejection of the moment. And he says, give it here. I'll take over from here. And he feeds everybody and every need is met. Listen, we're going to have discoveries like that. Where we just back off. Where, 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 where we can't go any further and we, we're unable to meet the need and Jesus will just step in, take over and show us his glory. This happened to me and Faye. It's happened numerous times. Numerous times. I could tell you numerous times and it just reduces you to a pile of tears <laughs> like it should. Remember, we were on, sat on the sofa racking our brains where we were going to get boxes for Jesus Cares to pack the food hampers. We pack food hampers. You may not know this, but we pack food hampers 
every week. We send out over two and a half thousand food hampers to 150 agencies throughout South Wales. In the early days, just imagine, in the early days, we didn't know where the boxes were going to come from. It's wonderful to have food, but if you ain't got anything to pack the, pack the food in, you've got a problem. We'd been given 25,000 boxes. And when, you know, when you're at the start of that, you're thinking, yeah, the boxes are never going to come to an end. We've got 25,000 of them. Four months in, we ain't got any boxes left. 25,000 gone. And then I'm ringing everywhere. Uh, excuse me. And you know, you do the appeal and you, you go to man. And man disappoints you. And man promises you this. And man promises you that. And do you know what? It's all hot air. Nothing comes as, a result of, comes as a result of man's promise. So we sat on the sofa, racking our brains. I'd gone through a long list of people that I could phone. No joy. And we just looked up. And we didn't have any answers. And we said, well, Jesus, over to you. Over to you. I'm not worrying about this anymore. I have wasted too much time worrying. I mean, I've lost hair over it. I'm not worrying about this anymore. What am I worrying about this for? I can't do it. I can't do this. Over to you. Right? The next day, I make a phone call. And it's not up to Birmingham. I was ringing people in Birmingham. Ringing people up in North Wales, box manufacturers. And uh, I ring a man in Newport. I didn't even know that there was a box manufacturer in Newport. Oh, you. Excuse me, I give him a little talk about Jesus Cares. That sounds fantastic. I thought, my God. Oh, does it? Yes, it does. We'd love to be involved. In fact, why don't you come down tomorrow? And I'll give you an, a tour around our manufacturing plant. I thought, oh, okay then. See where the work of God will take you. The people, the people that you will have influence with, not because of you. Let me tell you, it's nothing, nothing to do with us. But his favor, his favor opens doors, his blessing paves a way for you to go into places that you could never ever get in without him I go in I think my god this is huge this place there's only the second largest box manufacturer in the world it was one of their depots in Newport treated like royalty coming into the office Love the work you're doing, showed you round, met the staff, you know, hundreds, you know, treated like royalty. We're gonna we're gonna supply, we're gonna supply all the boxes you need. You're not gonna have any need for any boxes. I thought, oh thank you. So this is what it's like when Jesus works, is it? You know, when I work, when I work, and I'm I'm more than ready to admit this, when I work, right? Really, it's, it's pitiful at best. The results that I bring forth in relation to kingdom things is pitiful. Then Jesus steps in. Move aside. Give me the little you have. 
and I'm going to hold it in my hands and I'm going to bless it and I'm going to provide. Do you know, I think from that box manufacturer, and this was when we, before we went to bags, we, we, we got bags now, but we had over 150,000 boxes to deliver out all of the provisions throughout South Wales. You see, you see, when we just let him do what only he can do, then everything, everything changes. We've just got to, we've just got to bring him in and invite him in to do what only he can do. Jesus brought great blessing when he fed multitudes. He took an empty net that had been unproductive all night, took it, and as long as they obeyed him to do what he required, that net got filled and boats began to sink because he was involved. A good work, a good work prepared beforehand for him to reveal to them, which he did, blew their minds forevermore. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says this, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Amen. You go out into the world, look for the opportunity. Whenever there's an opportunity, do good. But then, Paul, right into the Galatians, he's saying, listen, in all your well-doing, in all your good work, don't forget one another. Don't forget the good work among the family of faith. Look and see your brother's needs, your sister's needs, and support them and bless them and help them. Especially the family of faith. Make sure that your good work extends toward one another. Really important. Then Titus, in Titus 3, 1, he's, Paul says this to Titus. He said, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient and always ready to do good work. Get up every day ready to do good work. I know sometimes we go into work and it can be hard, it can be mundane, it can be a routine, and it can be tiresome, and you're managing lots of things, managing your family, and sometimes, you know, look, we all know this, it can just seem as if we're trying to tread water and keep our head above water. But let's be ready to do good things. Let's ask for God's help and God's grace to ready us and enable us to see those moments of opportunity that we can step into to do that good work that's been prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Oh, I don't want to get to heaven knowing that I've missed all of those good works that have been prepared beforehand for me to walk in. You don't either. The passion of your heart, the passion of this church is to walk in all of those good works that we have been created for, that we've been prepared for to walk in. You know, I was talking to, on, uh, on Wednesday night, we had a, 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 a meeting for our children's workers, leaders from our creche and the team 
from the crash were there. Our Sunday school leaders and workers were there and our youth workers. It was a great night, a great night. And I looked around the room and I saw people who had consistently given their lives to a good work, to a good work. In the high times, in the low times, in the difficult times, in the seasons that, you know, seem in between these people, week in, week out, do a great work with our children all the way through the ages and stages. And you know, on a weekly basis, this church, our family, looks after just over 200 children. On a Sunday, on average on a Sunday, there's 150 children that are now, right now as we speak, in programs. The Word of God is going into them. The seed of God's Word is going into them. Why? Because they're in a world that wants to shape them and mold them and, and sometimes crush that wonderful God-given potential of their life. And there's, there's people that have dedicated, teams that have dedicated their lives to doing good. For our children, I tell you, we've got four children and I thank God for the many people in our children's work and in this church that have spoken good things into the lives of, of my children. I do, I thank God for it. And they are where they are today, not just because of me and Faye parenting them, no, but because of the people of God being caring and loving and speaking good things into them. I thank God for that. You have produced a good work in my home. I thank God for it. And I said to our workers, do you know, I said, we, we've got 200 or so young lives that, that have come into this place. Do you know why? Not because of the preaching or the music, but because of the faithful work of people that are committed to the cause of raising young lives up into the kingdom of God and giving them a future. I think we should give Jesus thanks for the work that they do. Wonderful. Wonderful. I tell you, it's a fruitful, it's a fruitful tree. It's a fruitful tree. And it's a good work. But you know what? I said this to them. And, and they could tell you this, good work doesn't mean easy work. I tell you, if you want easy work, very often you'll opt out of the good work that God has created for you. Because sometimes that good work will bring tears. Sometimes that good work will, will cause you to go to your knees and say, Oh God, I don't know what to do here. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to take this good work forward. And suddenly His grace will, will just come on in. And enable you to do what you're called to do. A good work affecting the lives of 200 children or so. Why? Because of faithful people, of leaders who have given their lives to invest in others. And I told a story, and it blesses me so much, that John Maxwell told. John Maxwell, you, you may know, you may not know, but if you don't know, John Maxwell is a very successful pastor, pastored churches, a great man of God in America. And he's written numerous books that have been on the New York bestseller list. And he's, 
you know, he's a, he's a teacher of leadership throughout the world. He's got a, he's got a huge ministry. A great man, very gentle man in, in, in the way that he speaks to people. A great, great guy. But John Maxwell recounts a story of how it all began. You see, very often we look at the great ministry. Very often we look at the fruit. We don't examine the moment when the seed went in to the soil. But John Maxwell goes back in this story and he tells of a man called Glenn Leatherwood. Now, Glenn Leatherwood was their Sunday school teacher. And all of the Sunday school loved Glenn Leatherwood. Why? Because he just loved them so unconditionally. Loved being with them. Loved investing into them. His life really was just completely devoted to raising up these young champions in the kingdom of God. He understood the work that he'd been called to and he gave his life completely to it. Faithful man. Committed to the cause. And he knew the work, the good work that he'd been created to walk in beforehand. And he engaged with that work. He engaged with that destiny. And he gave the entirety of his life for it. This class loved him. Kids aren't stupid, I tell you. They know. They know when an adult really cares. And one day, Glenn Leatherwood went into the Sunday school as John remarked and he had tears in his eyes and he looked around at all of these children with these tears in his eyes and he said you children know you know that I pray for you every Sunday night every single one of you he said last night the Lord just showed me that there's going to be four of you that he's going to that he's going to take from this class and he's going to use you in a very special way and I want to see you after the class and after the class, he just called John Maxwell aside and three of his friends. And he said, listen, guys, he said, sit down. I want to tell you what Jesus told me that he's going to do with your lives in the future. He said, you four, you're going to pastor churches. You're going to be pastors of churches. You're going to be ministers of the gospel. And you're going to go to many places across the world. God's going to use you. And he said, I am so excited that God showed me this good work that he's destined for your life. Because I'm the one that gets to pray for you today. I'm the, one that, I'm the first one that gets to announce it to you. And if you'll allow me, I'm going to ordain you into the ministry right now. Imagine that. Kids, they had no idea what they wanted to do in the future. Kids probably didn't really understand the Bible if they read it. They went to Sunday school. But this man understood that God had a great plan for these, for these four young men. And it's not that he didn't have an amazing plan for all the others because he raised them up to, to follow their various vocations in life under God's blessing. But these four he picked out and he laid hands on them and he prayed for them and he ordained them that day. Well, they went off. John Maxwell became the pastor that the guy, Glenn Leatherwood, had told him he would be. The other three entered ministry, became great pastors, and their ministries covered the globe and equipped the saints. And they became a blessing, just like Glenn had said. Well, years later... 
John decided to go back and see Glenn Leatherwood. He went into his home, he knelt at his feet, and he said, Glenn, he said, you're not going to believe it. He said, remember when you prayed over us? Remember when you ordained us for the ministry? Well, we, we went on, our lives went on out of Sunday school, and just like you said, we are now standing in the ministry offices that you ordained us to stand in all those years ago, it was a hidden moment. It was an obscure moment. It wasn't this big, you know, bright moment that everybody observed. It was hidden. It was obscure. But Glenn Leatherwood knew that his life had been preordained to walk in good works. And he executed those good works he didn't need. He didn't need the attention of anyone other than the attention of God and his spirit with those young men. And he said, Glenn, he said, let me ask you. He said, all four of us are in ministry just like God told us through you. Let me ask you, what, what happened when we left? What did you, con did you continue on in Sunday school? Oh yeah, he said. He said, I continued on in Sunday school for some 30 years. Just continue doing what God had called me to do. Every Saturday night, I just pray for my class. I just pray for every student, every boy and girl under my care. I would just keep praying. And he said, you know what? After you left, he said, the Lord on occasions would tell me about others that I had to ordain into ministry. And he said, to date, he said, I've ordained over 33 young people and now their lives have grown and they're serving God all over the world in full-time ministry. A man, a man that didn't look for a spotlight, a man that had the favor of God on him to walk in the preordained works that God had created him to walk in. What a discovery, what an adventure, what a variety, what a, what a uniqueness there is for each and every one of our lives in God's kingdom. Look at Hugh, Hugh, and he, he would hate me saying this, he's been serving in the, in, in the Sunday school for the last 28 years. 28 years! We got Glenn, listen, we got Glenn Leatherwoods all over this church. You've been faithful in the work. Sally and James. I mean, you know, you know the stories books, right? Take a look, read Sally Ann and James's story of how God has made their work fruitful. James writes productions and Sally, right? And those productions go to many thousands of schools, not only in this country, but beyond this country as well, right? When, when James, James received a word from God that he was going to begin to write school productions and plays, right? When he received that word, you can read the story. It's brilliant. He said, I couldn't really understand that that was my calling. But you know what? Sometimes you don't recognize it. And sometimes you walk into it and it's been prepared beforehand for you to take hold of. And, and as you do, as you engage faith in it and believe that God's, God's working it out for you, great is the harvest on it. 
Glenn Leatherwood's all over this church. Dave and Stella Saunders heading up our prison ministries. Going out into the prisons. Do you know this church has had a prison ministry for, for, for nearly 30 years? What is that? Led by Dave Escott for many years. We honor Dave. Quiet man doesn't look for the... These guys don't look for the spotlight. And we could go around the room. We're not, we're not you know, glory hunters or, or hunting for some kind of spotlight. We're honored to have the character of such people in this house. We don't, you know, when we start something, with the best of our ability, we try to faithfully, consistently walk that out. Year in, year out, faithful in season, faithful out of season, come what may. And that's the story of many of the departments and many of the lives, the leaders that are in this place. Consistent, week in, week out. Going to Israel soon. Really looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Paul, how long have you been going to Israel? 30 years. 30 years. Not a flash in the pan. Taking people to Israel. Taking many, many people to Israel from this church. Faithfully. You know, so you, you, I mean, Paul and Hillary just, you cut, you know, you, you cut them in half and you'd, you'd see Israel in the middle of them. <laughs> they love it. Passionate. What is that? Well, Paul and Hillary do many things other than, you know, taking pe people to Israel. But, you know, that is a good work prepared beforehand for Paul and Hillary to walk in. They've been doing it for 30 years. Not trying it, see if it works, and then, oh, do you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to try something else. No. When we discover these great works that God has called us to step into, there's great blessing. And we, can, we, we, we give our lives to see them be outworked. Let me read to you another scripture. We're gonna, I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to ask the band to come up. That usually means another 30 minutes, but no, not today. Not today. Let me finish, let me finish with this scripture, or maybe one more after it. Listen, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to verse 8 says this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Then verse 8 says this, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Listen, sometimes we really just, you know, narrow this portion of scripture down to when we take up when we receive the tithes and offerings this isn't about money this is about life so in your life not sparingly not 10 percent into the kingdom so in your life and everything that you've got into god's work every day 
giving your life and giving everything that you have and everything that you are for God's use. Seeking to walk out and seeking to work out those good works that have been prepared beforehand for you to walk in. When it talks about walking in, it's not talking about some kind of inconsistent, haphazard work here and there. It's talking about a consistent flow of works abundantly coming out of your life as the people of God, as the city of God, shining a wonderful light so everybody's attracted to it. That's what it's talking about. And it's exciting. It really is. You say, well, Dave, where do I start? Well, let's start today. Let's start today. Maybe, listen, maybe you're here and you're not engaged in a work in this house. Start there. Start there. Maybe you can, you can get involved in one of our teams. We'd love to have you on board. You're going to meet some amazing people. And as a result, there's going to be a flow of life out of you that maybe you didn't realize was in you. It's exciting. Get involved in a work today within one of our teams. If you're not already involved, we'd love to have you on board. And, and Haley and, and uh, Claire will be at the welcome team, uh, the connection point at the end of the service. Make a decision. Start there. Do you know, I remember turning up here many years ago with a plastic guitar from Woolworths. Remember that, James? <laughs> oh man, that's all I had. Where's Woolworths? Anybody remember Woolworths? Oh. Listen, it's all I had. Turned up with my little guitar. And all I had was like, I only knew three chords. But I'd been asked to join the worship team. Oh my gosh. I was so excited. So excited. And I just did what I could. And sometimes I had to turn the volume down because I didn't know the songs. But I kept strumming anyway. Just looked as if I knew them. But you know what? Just start where you are. You don't have to come into the, to the, to the house of God with great qualifications or great experience. Do you know very often that can hinder you? Come in as you are. And get involved in the family of God. It could be maybe committing to a connect group. Let's get you in a connect group. Let's, let's come together as God's people. Don't sow sparingly in the house of God. So abundantly. So bountifully. Because God wants you to re reap a wonderful, bountiful harvest. Not of money. Of fulfillment. Of dignity. Of, of, of worth, where you can look back and say, wow, look what I'm involved in. Look what my life has produced. So that's where you start today. Maybe you visit the, the, the table there at the back. Let's get you involved in a connect group or in one of our teams to see that good work come up out of you. Maybe you'll be another Glen Len Leatherwood. Maybe. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna pray for those young people that are growing up. Who knows where their life is going to go, what they're going to do. 
and you're going to be instrumental in it, it is not insignificant. It is a great work. It really is. Jesus said, Jesus said, you can even use a cup of cold water and when it's given in my name, there will be massive reward awaiting you in heaven. I'm telling you now, don't ever underestimate your usefulness. Don't ever underestimate what God can use and what God will bless when it's done in his name for his glory from a good faithful heart. Is that okay? Father, I thank you today for your people. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would that you would enable us and empower us just to make that choice today. Maybe some of us are going to set out on a course today. And it's going to bring great fulfillment. And great blessing, our lives are going to be a blessing to people in teams that we're going to join. Our words, our actions, our skills and our talents are going to be utilized. And we may be taking a step, you may be taking a step today into a team. And I'm telling you now, it's a, it, it seems as if it's small and insignificant, but beyond it, it's going to lead to great, great things in God's kingdom for your life. Father, I pray that, Lord, we would, just, we would just work out our salvation before you in the work that we do one with another and on beyond. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today, they're not in a connect group. It's the passion of our church to meet in small groups. It is the centerpiece along with our gatherings on a Sunday. It's, Lord, the net that you're going to use to be a blessing across this city, in the regions of this city, in the housing estates. Somebody may start a connect group today. Somebody may want to be a leader in a connect group today. Lord, I pray that you would ignite their faith. You give them strength to make that decision. Thank you, James. Amen. Amen. Amen.